listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. He's Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk without the trash talk. And if you missed it this past week, Chicago Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant was being interviewed by former Cubs pitcher Ryan Dempster at the team's annual fan convention. Last weekend, they were on stage. The stage sort of resembled that of a talk show picture, Tonight Show, or something along those lines. And because it was the Cubs Fan Fest, obviously this the, the place was filled with Cubs fans. You know Dempster's personality. He's a fun-loving guy, a, a bit of a jokester. So things are a little loose. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Dempster, I forget who, who they were talking about, he and Chris Bryant, but Bryant says that, refers to the guy as a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. And once the fans hear a just any mention of the Cardinals, mm-hmm. he starts changes gear a little bit. I, I don't know that he completely changes gear, but he starts pandering to the crowd. He starts playing to the crowd because obviously the Cardinals are the Cubs' biggest rival. Oh, yeah. So when the, the crowd reacts, he starts pandering to the crowd, and he says that, that why would anybody want to play in St. Louis? It's boring. Well, let me just play a few seconds of this clip for you, and, and you can judge for yourself. If he's actually attacking St. Louis as a city – or if he's just having fun with Cub fans. He's a big Cardinals fan, so but he, yeah, boo. Yeah, he was he was trying to work the magic on Bryce. Yeah, but did he have the bandaid on? Who would want to play in St. Louis? So boring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so boring. So I always boring. get asked like, where do you like to play? Where do you not like to play? And ooh, St. Louis is on the place I don't like to play. Yeah. <laughs> <It> is, uh, <laughs> All right, you're asking for trouble. No doubt about it. Uh, look, maybe you could have not said that, could have said something else, but he's just having a bit of fun, right? It's among Cubs fans, nothing to take too serious. Well, and that's unless you're, of course, Cardinals catcher Yadier Molina. Uh, he, he just takes this thing and he overreacts to it. And he gets very personal when he responds to it by saying, only stupid players and losers make fun of other cities. To me, it just seemed like a little back and forth, a little fun among rival fan bases. Mm-hmm. Molina obviously isn't playing it that way. So considering that Bryant's just pandering to the crowd, you'd think that, well, maybe after a couple of days or, or a day or two, whatever it is, uh, cooler heads would prevail. But apparently not. He was asked about it again, Molina was, and he doubled down the next day saying that I, it will carry into the season. I can't wait to get on the field. I mean... This guy needs to chill, it's right? It's so dumb. And, and look, I get it. Maybe he's participating in the back and forth, but it just seems rather aggressive. Yeah. And he's got to have some sense of humor. You remember it was him that, remember in the All-Star game, Nelson Cruz wants to take a picture during the game mm-hmm. with Joe West as the umpire. It was Molina that took the picture from the catcher's position. So it seems like he has some sense of humor. But obviously not here. He told MLB.com reporters, St. Louis is home. If anybody says something bad about my home, I'm going to be there for us. I said to the guys, we are like family. We have to stick together. 
We have to defend ourselves. We have to defend what? our ground. Yeah. Who, whoever says something about us, he continues, we are going to be there to defend us. Shut up! Defend nobody's, our ground? Nobody's attacking them. This is ridiculous. This is probably the most thin-skinned I can ever remember a major league player being in my lifetime. It, nobody's attacking you. It's Cubs players talking to Cubs fans at a Cubs event. They're not attacking you. It's a dumb joke. I get Maybe, maybe Molina may be making something of this to keep the tongue-in-cheek back-and-forth shots going between the rival fan bases, between the rival teams. But, man, it just seems a bit overly aggressive, doesn't it? Bryant made some half-serious comments, that's all, at a fan festival. Why is Molina trying to make bulletin board stuff out of this? And by the way, if he or the Cardinals need bulletin board material before the season even starts, aren't you beaten already? Yeah. Maybe he's defensive. Maybe the place is boring. How do I know? I've only been there one time. I've only ever driven through it on my way to more interesting cities. <laughs> I, I I don't remember it being boring, but what I remember is good food. There was plenty sure. of good food to have. Teammate Marcelo Zuna, if you haven't heard this, you're going to like this. He also took exception to the comments. He posted this statement on his social media. Get this. From outside, they speak and talk like tiger. But at the end, they're going to be like little cat. Who talks like this? And then he's got hashtag Ciro, C-E-R-O, respect for this stupid's player. And I don't know. Maybe Ciro is a Spanish word. I, I have no idea. Maybe the newspaper misspelled his quote here. Hashtag zero respect for this stupid players. Yeah, I have no idea either, but I just heard that quote in my brain in an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. <laughs> That's what it yeah, sounds like. It, it, it fits, doesn't it? It just goes to show you. We need to be very careful with what we say. Listen, people take things out of context. They, they, they jump to conclusions, and it seems like maybe more so today they're just looking for a reason to get angry about something, something to protest. Sometimes it's just better to say as little as possible, stay out of trouble that way. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. That whole chapter... Chapter 10 of Proverbs, man, that is just a good lesson in the benefits of the words of a righteous person. They are a well of life, verse 11 says. And certainly a kind and encouraging word is just that, a well of life. But sometimes the things we say get us into trouble. Certainly it seems to be the case for Chris Bryant. James chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 say, Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes somebody just jumps on something we say the way Yadier Molina is doing. Sometimes there are things that uh, we know we shouldn't say, but we just can't help ourselves, and we have to get it out, and we have to say, uh, get that last word in. And we end up with just a few small words creating this forest fire of controversy. Um, that's what our tongues can do. James chapter 3, verse 8 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. It said that a woman once came to John Wesley and said that she knew what her talent was. I think my talent from God is to speak my mind. 
And Wesley's alleged to have responded, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. Listen, the point is we don't have to say everything that's on our mind. We don't have to say it. We should be committed to speaking only kind words, being an encourager, encouraging people, not tearing them down. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. And Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. God tells Christians to encourage each other. You know why? Because he knows we need it. We ought to encourage each other. For example, in John 16.33, Jesus tells us, you know what? In this world, you're going to have trouble, but I have overcome the world. And he tells us, he says this, so that we may have peace. John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We need to be encouraged. This is a broken world we live in. So many things seem to drag us down into despair, seem to uh, just... You look, things don't turn out always the way we plan. Even our bodies, they break down in pain. Uh, things, sin just takes away our joy. Uh, it's a tough world to live in. Things don't just work out. And as a result, our perspectives darken our, we, we can even become cynical, can't we? Without encouragement, people feel useless. They feel unimportant, unloved, maybe even forgotten. And who better to lift the spirits of people, to be an encouragement to them, than those whose joy flows from everlasting springs, those whose sins have been forgiven. And of course, I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. God knows his people need to be reminded of his grace, and he calls us to encourage each other every day. I hope you'll challenge yourself to be that kind of encourager. Speak kindly. Let it be your encouraging speech that point someone towards the cross. Pray that God would make you an encourager. Ask him to give you a heart that loves others. Make it a daily discipline, in fact, intentionally trying to find somebody whose spirits you can lift and shine that light of Christ. Ask God to bring someone to your mind that maybe you can reach out to and encourage. And don't forget to encourage your pastor. Boy, I tell you, I think they need it the most. I hope God would use you to build a environment of encouragement throughout your church. Glad to have you with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Time now to look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, January 24th. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you, as it always is, by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's basketball team defeated the University of Bridgeport 66-61 last Friday night. Junior Emily Miller's 24-point double-double led the way. Along with those 24 points, Miller had 13 rebounds, and junior guard Sarah Nady added 13 points and grabbed 6 rebounds and also had 3 steals on the night. 
Junior Isaiah Lewis's 24 points weren't enough for the men as they dropped their end of the doubleheader with the University of Bridgeport, 90-73. Redshirt senior Justin Vaughn had 21 points and 8 rebounds. Both teams concluded the weekend road trip with wins over Mercy College on Sunday. The women were once again led by Miller, who had 23 points in a 70-53 win. Sarah Nady had another strong game, contributing 16 points, and senior Taylor Bino grabbed 11 rebounds to go along with 7 assists. The men, meanwhile, as we said, were also victorious. They won by a score of 76-63 with three Red Hawks scoring in double digits. Justin Vaughn had a team-high 17 points. Lewis added 15, and sophomore Armand Nasiri had a season-high 14 points and six rebounds. Coming up Sunday, January 27th, both the men and women welcome in St. Thomas Aquinas College to the Voller Athletic Center on the Roberts Wesleyan College campus. Tip-off on Sunday is 2 p.m. for the women, followed by the men at 4 Follow all the action, home or away, at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you can also get scores, highlights, and much more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, recording in the cozy and very comfortable BTG studio here in Rochester, New York. We're talking sports from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram is where you'll find us. On the line. Online. If you do stop by our website, subscribe to the podcast while you're there. In addition to places all around the world where last week's show was downloaded, Baton Rouge, Louisiana was among them. Home of the LSU Tigers birthplace of a number of famous athletes such as New York Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., former New York Yankees pitcher Andy Pettit, who I always thought was from Texas but was actually born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, moved to Texas when he was in elementary school. Thanks for listening in Baton Rouge and wherever it is you're listening from, however it is you're listening. We thank you for being with us. Let's continue this week's show by sending it over to my good friend Zach Barletta, who will bring us this week's shenanigan statements. Okay, number one, blown calls by officials robbed us of a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl. I say shenanigans. There is no way to know what would have actually happened. Now, we could speculate what probably would have happened, and if that's the case, maybe so. And I know Patriots haters, among which you are their king. Uh, <laughs> they want to make a bigger deal about the calls going against the Chiefs, but the missed pass interference, against the, which worked against the Saints, I think that had a much more direct effect yes. on the outcome of the game. But you just can't isolate one or two plays. Look, both the Chiefs and the Saints had some really questionable play calling. Yeah, there were calls, but the play calling was a big deal. I think the the, the mispass interference, we need to get to a point 
You saw my post. A lot of people saw my post after the game. <laughs> Give them a chance to appeal it. Give them a different colored flag. Add it to the, the, their uh, challenges that they already have. The reality is they need to be able to say, listen, there was a penalty there and you missed it because we can't have – right now, you feel bad for Rams fans. You feel bad for the, the Rams themselves because it's as if they don't belong. Yeah. And they shouldn't be made to feel that way. Yeah, I – I will say shenanigans because I don't necessarily think that the Chiefs were robbed. Yeah, there were some sketchy calls, especially that roughing the passer where a player waved his hand essentially in front of Brady's face and got called for roughing. Yeah, and I could see that if, if from the referee, maybe his perspective, his point of view mm-hmm. looked like pass interference. But obviously in the replay, it wasn't. And if you had a chance to appeal that, then you should be able to appeal yeah. it. Sorry I, to interrupt. Continue. Oh, no, that's okay. I think the Saints obviously have a much stronger case in that – you know, they're marching in the last couple minutes of the game. They have a play that should have netted them a first down in easy scoring position and instead had to kick a field goal because of that no call. Um, I agree with you that those should be challengeable. And while I believe the Saints were robbed, I think the Chiefs, I mean, what really cost the Chiefs was D Ford lining up offsides. So I don't think you could say they were robbed when they shot themselves in the foot at the most critical spot. Uh, the Saints were robbed, yes, but I have to say shenanigans because I don't believe the Chiefs were. Yeah, and you know, again, when you're getting back to that, and, and they're probably going to look at it, and they're probably going to make some adjustment because this is egregious. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be just pass interference. You should be able to appeal other uh, no calls or calls that w- went wrong. I'm not saying you have to be able to, if you don't, if you say, listen, we don't want them appealing holding calls on interior linemen, fine. You yeah. know, you can pick and choose, but. It goes beyond just pass interference, and I hear a lot of people talking about that. That's what they're going to say you can call. But you mentioned that roughing the passer. That was a big one. Mm -hmm. Number two, it was disappointing to watch the Patriots-Chiefs game end in overtime without Patrick Mahomes getting to touch the football. Truth or shenanigans, the OT rule needs to be changed so that both teams have a chance to score. I'm interested to hear what you think about this. I would like to see that because it is disappointing to see the likely MVP uh, of the NFL who just had a 50 touchdown season standing on the sidelines while the game ends. And while I do believe that uh, they made positive steps by, you know, if you have the opening possession and kick a field goal, you don't automatically win anymore. That's a good step, but I would like to see the other team get a chance. And I know that the opposition to this would be, well, these two teams are so good. You'd have an hour of overtime because they'd keep scoring. But I think, I don't know. I think it would be worth it. And who wouldn't want to watch that to be honest? Well, I wouldn't if it's going to be like college where you end up with some 76-70 game because it just keeps going on and on and on and on. I say shenanigans that I don't think it needs to be changed. I'll tell you why. But to be honest, if you want to tweak it a little, I'm not going to have a fit about that. Uh, Like I say, I don't want the college rules. I don't think that's fun. But I say shenanigans because there's two sides to the ball. You have an offense and defense, and defense is as much a part of your team as the offense. And I get what you're saying, that the Chiefs didn't get their offense on the field, but their defense did. They were out there. If their defense can't make a stop, then your offense doesn't deserve the ball in the first place. And two other things that come into play with that, statistically, the team that wins the toss only wins about 50% of the time. So the statistics don't support the argument. And the other side is this. If that's the case, that we think both offenses ought to have the chance to have the ball, why aren't there more complaints about 
regular season games when in regulation time, both teams don't have the same amount of possessions. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that a bigger deal? At the end of the game, your team lost 17 to 14. You didn't have the same amount of possessions. Nobody squawked about that. But when it gets into overtime, they do. So I don't, I, look, I'm okay with it the way it is. But if you want to tweak it a little, that's fine. I don't want to see it come down to the kickers, and I don't want to see the college roll. So figure something out. Number three, despite losing John Tavares before the season, <laughs> the New York Islanders, your New York Islanders, are among the best teams in the NHL and a legitimate threat to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, no, they're not a threat. But, dude, we are talk- they are in second place in the Eastern Conference. They are uh, just ahead, as we're recording this, of Tavares' Maple Leafs. Their 63 points are sixth most in the entire NHL. Lou Lamorello, Barry Trotz have the magic, apparently. But uh, while I'm thrilled that my Islanders are playing so well, no, I think as long as Tampa Bay's out there, uh, they can't be considered a real legitimate threat because they Lightning are just head and shoulders above the rest of the Eastern Conference. I would have actually agreed with the statement right up until that part at the end where you said a threat to win the Stanley Cup. I do think somehow, some way, they're a legitimately good hockey team. I think a big part of it has been Robin Leonard and goal, who the Sabres got rid of uh, before the season. Highest save percentage in the league. They've allowed the fewest goals in the league. And, you know, that might make them a threat to win the Cup because we've seen time and time again, the team with the hottest goaltender in the playoffs tends to go pretty far. Yeah, and Tampa was head and shoulders above everybody else last year and got tripped up there at the end. It could happen, but no, I don't think they're going to win a Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. We got more to do, so come on back. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Hey, everybody, it's Benson. You probably know that Beyond the Game is a different kind of sports talk radio program. Sports conversation and Bible verses mixed together? Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because the message of Jesus Christ is so important that we use sports to appeal to sports fans. Trying to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us. So much so that he sent his son who was the only one who never sinned. And though he did not need to die willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God we want to tell you about. Sports Talk Radio allows us to bring that message of the forgiveness of sins to sports fans all around the world. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes 
resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God. I hope you'd confess to him that you know yourself to be a sinner. And tell him that you know and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. And begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back into the program. As is our habit, we'll close out this week's show with our You Like That segment. A bit different this week. I already know that both Zach and myself have the same You Like That. We both have Mariano Rivera's unanimous choice in the Baseball's Hall of Fame as our choice of what it is that we like this week in sports. So, Zach, why don't you start and tell us why you chose Rivera? One of the things I really liked about it was that uh, it's nice to see a relief pitcher get their due. I know historically, Hall of Fame voters have been sort of skewed against relief pitchers. Now, Mariano Rivera obviously was unique in that he's the greatest ever to do it, both statistically and just if you watch him. And the other side of it for me also is that he's such a tremendous human being. You know, he's not afraid to use the spotlight to speak about his faith. Just the fact this couldn't have happened to a better person, like I think, that. is what I really liked you about like that. For me, Zach, I think of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And that's how Mariano Rivera lived his life. Throughout this week, I've heard people talking about Mariano Rivera. I've heard interviews. It's been all over sports talk radio. Nobody had a negative thing to say about him. In fact, everybody knew that he was a spiritual person, that he was a faith-based person. I think that's part of why he was such a unanimous choice, because everybody liked Rivera. I heard Joe Torre talking about how he was a spiritual person. Torre felt that that's sort of what helped him put bad outings behind him so easily, those few that he had. He just completely trusted in God, and whether it be good or bad. I heard Michael Kay referring to Rivera, how he believed in the divine. Kay went on to say that some of the circumstance in Rivera's life made it very difficult to kind of dismiss the divine. My social media feed had been filled with people sharing their Mariano Rivera stories. So I shared mine and I'll share it now. And it's not about baseball. It was the first time we were on a missions trip together. You were there, Zach. You'll remember this. And I had him sign a Spanish gospel track for me. And he liked the track. He took a few minutes. He's looking through it. We got to talking about the simplicity of the gospel track itself. And then it led into a conversation about the simplicity of the gospel and the impact, as we're sitting here talking with one another, the impact that Jesus Christ had on our lives. I'll never forget that conversation with Mariano Rivera. I'll never forget his humility and just how passionately he spoke about Jesus Christ. Mariano Rivera's election into the Hall of Fame is just one more platform for him to share his faith, and it's what I like, you like that? this week. You like that? We've come to the end of our show, and I want to thank you for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. Let me remind you that this radio program is mainly listener-supported, and it's because of your prayers and your financial gifts that the Beyond the Game program is on the air. Please pray for us and maybe even commit to doing so regularly. Ask God to use this sports talk radio program to impact those who hear it. 
and ask him to provide for our expenses. We bring the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as biblical applications from the sports world to listeners all around the world each and every week. And if he lays it on your heart, please consider a financial contribution to this radio ministry. You can make a one-time gift, even a recurring amount, at our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Thank you.